Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Brockman. I'm joined as ever by Steve Carroll. Afternoon, Steve. Afternoon. Well, plenty to get on with this one. It's been a couple of weeks since our last pod, but um, we promised we'd get you one before the start of the season, and that is this. So, um, lots of news to go through, as expected, after the long, drawn-out saga with Russell Martin, his egos in going to go to Southampton. Then, when we get Michael Duffin, things started to move, and they've continued to move, Steve, and uh, players are still coming in and going out as we speak. We're still waiting for confirmation on other signings as well, so this, by the time you listen to it, is already going to be out of date, I'm sure, but we'll do our best to bring a, as accurate a picture of this on a Wednesday afternoon. That's what we can do, really, isn't it? So, let's get a rundown on what's happened since our last pod, where we specifically talked about players that may or may not fit in Michael Duff's system. One of those we mentioned was uh, Morgan Whitaker, and no doubt as soon as you listened to that, the news had already come out that he'd left the club. So, already out of date there, Steve. Yeah, I think that's typical. Um, you know, when you record these things, you can never get it perfect. And obviously, when you haven't got um, you know anyone massively on the inside of the club, you don't know whether to hold off or, or anything like that. But yeah, Whitaker has gone. Um, not a big shock, I think, for both of us. We... Obviously, we discussed it, as you said, didn't we, on the last one, that he might go. And obviously, I think it's probably a good move for everybody, if we're being honest. I mean, Whitaker probably wanted to go to Plymouth. He did really well there, so they'll be really pleased to get him back. And we haven't got a bad fee and hopefully a sell-on in there as well mm. for a player that we probably didn't want and, and one that didn't really want to be here. So, yeah, I think we've uh, I think it made sense to do that deal and um, we can move on now, can't we? Yeah, I think what you just said there really about the, the sell-on is the big thing for me because I think he's clearly got something and in the right system that plays to his strengths, he's shown that he can he can excel. May not have ever been in a Swansea City shirt. It didn't really look like it was going to happen for him here. But if he does well at Plymouth, hopefully we have got a nice little sell-on on there. So, Because um, I'm convinced that in the right system, he'll be worth a lot more than what we sold him for in a couple of years' time. So, I mean, it could benefit the club a little bit down the line. Um is incoming, Steve, uh, and not just outgoings. There's a um, couple of big signings which we've been toying over for quite some time now. Uh, two loan signings. One's happened, one's waiting to happen. Um, Rushworth uh, from Brighton has joined. He is surely going to be the number one goalkeeper, Carl Rushworth. Uh, he's come into the club in the last couple of days now, and um, we've heard big things, big expectations, and big hopes on this guy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, it goes without saying that we really, really needed to sign a goalkeeper. Uh, so I'm delighted that we have, and he needs to go straight into the team, doesn't he? Um, I think my feelings on Andy Fisher are, are quite clear. I don't really need to go over them again. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he we need Rushworth should should go straight into the team. I think um, obviously he did well at Lincoln last year, so the natural progression is for him to go a division higher and. Um, yeah, I'm I'm quite optimistic about him. He'd be working, you know, with Martin Margerton, who's, you know, a, a top coach as we've said before. So, yeah, I'm optimistic that um, it'll be um, a good signing for us. So, um, yeah, but look, is it an upgrade on the the goalkeeper that was going to play Saturday? Otherwise, I would be amazed if it isn't. So, it's got to be good news. Yeah, and I think we were hoping to have um, Stu James on this podcast. He couldn't make it today, but we were hoping to get him next week now. Uh, he did an interview with Martin Margerton not so long ago, Steve, didn't he? And um, he spoke about this obsession of looking for goalkeepers 
that um, are fantastic with their feet and playing out from the back and using it as a sweeper keeper. And uh, I think in the article, Stuart James noted that Margotson rolled his eyes at that point and said that um, he'd rather his goalkeepers just make sure they can save the shots first and foremost, clean the crosses, the command the area and the, the basics, really. Um, so this is why I think he does go in straight into the team because I don't think Margotson is going to be as closely trying to fit the goalkeeper into the tactical side of the team as perhaps Dean Thornton and Russell Martin were. They were almost playing as an outfield player at times so you wanted your keeper to be able to be part of that build-up play from the back. I think Martin wants his goalkeeper to be keeping clean sheets and that's where he starts and ends and that, to be honest, they will be a welcome change. Well, yeah, I mean, like it's fairly obvious with the goalkeeper that they've got to be a good shot stopper first and foremost. I mean, if you're not, then I don't see how on earth you can you know, have a career in the game. Um, so that's surely that has to take preference over everything else, including this. Look, I don't mind a goalkeeper that can pass. I mean, it, it, it's not a bad thing at all. But I mean, it should never be that that is the the priority. They're they're there to keep the ball out of the net, aren't they? I mean, we've spoken many times. We want to see this nice football and everything like that. But I mean, there is such a thing as over the top. And I think when it comes to goalkeepers, you can't be prioritising one who's good with his feet over one that can you know make the type of saves you want and hopefully can command an area. So. You know, I think we've gone for a goalkeeper maybe with different priorities, and look, we had to do that. I think it's it's quite straightforward, isn't it? I mean, we, you know, how many times did we gift horrendous goals last year, and it was the goalkeeper's fault? I mean, I'm I'm not just talking about Fisher. Obviously, he is by far the worst goalkeeper. But we did both also prefer. Stephen Bender, for those yeah. reasons, because he was more commanding of his area, because he was a better shot stopper. No, he wasn't as good as. You know, with his feet, or perhaps not quite as good as distribution. I think the distribution thing is a bit of a myth, anyway. But um, not quite good at those characteristics. But we both preferred Bender because we thought he's winning us points here because he's saving yeah. one on ones and stuff. And well, he was so open sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think I went to Coventry. It was one example where Grimes has given the ball away in uh, the opposition's half within about two passes. They're in on goal. Yes, yeah. it's like a one on one, and then but Bender's dug us out of a hole. Yeah. Whereas you'd be looking at Fisher and thinking. 50-50, I'm not convinced he's going to save it. And, you know, you're getting caught then. In all fairness, it's more the, the team's fault than the goalkeeper's there. Oh, yeah. But you do need your goalkeeper to dig you out of trouble on occasions. And it just feels as if, um, you know, the Fisher hasn't really done that. So hopefully <coughs> Rushworth now will do that. And, um, yeah, look, I mean, if you haven't got a good goalkeeper, you're never going to be particularly successful. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would argue a full season of Fisher would really cost you a lot of points based on what we saw last season. So, yeah, hopefully now we're not going to have that issue and um, Rushworth will start on the weekend, do well, and um, he's the number one. So I've heard this from being like a Fisher, um, a slamming session, because we've done plenty of that. But um, in terms of how we see it, Rushworth's going to be um, a lot more imposing. Um, from what other fans have said uh, when he played on loan at Lincoln last year, and they said he was fantastic. And he was a, one of, and people who watch uh, League One football have said he's one of the brightest prospects outside the Premier League. So we got a high hopes for him, and fingers crossed because, as you say, every successful team starts with um, a strong goalkeeper. Um, with Team Bender out until what we expect to be around Christmas time, recovering from his injuries occurred at the start of the year. Um, it's interesting to read that he potentially might be on his way out the door uh, with Fulham potential suitors, which is interesting. I mean, he's out of contract next summer, um, but Rushworth only being on loan, I'd be a bit disappointed there because I still see Stephen Bender as a long-term number one goalkeeper for the Swans. 
Yeah, it's um, it's a tough one, that, isn't it? But the issue is he's only got a year left, I think, isn't he? So we're in a bit of a predicament here, aren't we? And I really think we've got to learn these lessons. I mean, Russell Martin banged the drum about it a lot last season, but don't think he was wrong. I mean, we don't really want the players that we know we want to keep for the longer term. You know, we don't want those guys to go into a last year of a contract. We need to try and maybe deal with that a little bit quicker. I think we, obviously, Jay Fulton is somebody we dealt with that with, didn't we, um, late last season. So that situation was avoided. But there's a lot of players still now in the similar position to Bender. I mean, I would argue a lot of them I would leave as they are for now because they've got a lot to prove if they want an extension here. But I think Bender is somebody that I would have preferred to have, you know, tied down for longer. But look, we're in a predicament now where if there's a year left, He's injured. It's very unlikely he's going to get sold in August, I would have thought, because of his injury. And then obviously it goes into January. And if he knows his interest from a Premier League club, for example, we're in a bit of trouble, aren't we? So, is, are we? I mean, because he's looking at Fulham, thinking he's never going to get game time there, is he? Realistically, but here he's looking at a long goalkeeper and thinking, well, he's going in the summer. I mean, for me, I may look into simplistically, but I'm looking at where is he going to get game time goalkeepers. Need get, I mean, look, when we signed Fabianski from Arsenal, you know, we we, we made him essentially because he we wasn't did, playing. But you've got to remember, Fabianski was there for seven years and barely played. Now, we've got a lot Absolutely. of goalkeepers like this. Yeah. Like Bender might think, though, well, maybe I will get in the team. And he may well have a double his wages. That's always what you're up against. I look at Wayne yeah. Hennessy, right, at Nottingham Forest. And before that, he was at Burnley, wasn't he? And I'm looking at him and thinking, you've been the Wales number one. You don't have long left. If you want to remain the Wales number one, you've got to go somewhere where you know you're going to play, even if it means you're going to drop down. Hasn't happened. Like I, a lot of goalkeepers seem to be, you know, happy to sit on the bench. Bender might not at, be at like that at his age, though, because I mean, as you say, uh, Hennessy's at the other end of his career where he's probably just thinking he, bit more money, happy days. Oh, oh, he is, but you know, he still has been playing for the national team, or he was. So it's hurted him in that sense, then, isn't it? So, but I mean, what I would say with Bender is he did go out on loan and he to Peterborough in Martin's first season after Christmas. Yeah. So maybe he is a goalkeeper that does want to play. But look, the, the problem is, as we know in these situations, money talks, doesn't it? If he gets offered a double his wage, you know, he can go to London, always more appealing. You know, he, he can probably get a flight from London back to where he's from in Germany, you know, very easily. It probably takes mm. an hour, doesn't it? Whereas he's got three hours by road to get to London from here. It's, you're always up against it with those type of things as well. That's what you have to bear in mind. So... Mm. You know, look, we'll have to see how it plays out, won't we? But um, I think when, when you do get interest from a top flight club, it's never great, is it? It's, um, you know, you always know what could happen. We were going to talk at the end, of, uh, well, we are going to talk at the end about the cup game as well we've got coming up after Birmingham, which is Northampton at home a few days later. And we were going to talk about youngsters that may get a shot in there. One of the ones we would have definitely put as a shoe in to get some game time in that one is Josh Thomas. Today he's gone on loan to Port Vale for the season. In my opinion, that's probably the best solution. I mean, he potentially gets 30-plus games um, in that league or is certainly competing for a starting spot in that team and um, can really make a name for himself. And if he impresses at that level, then really gets himself a shot at breaking into the first team next year. Yeah, to be honest, I'm a big fan of players, like young players going out on loan. I think it can make a massive difference. Like, you know, I think of some of the ones over the last few years. I remember McBurney going to Barnsley when we were struggling in the Premier League, but he did really well. They got player of the year. Then when we were relegated, my first thought was, right, McBurney now needs to be our first choice striker. Mm. And it proved to be the case. And obviously then we, we sold him for a lot of money. I mean, you look at Ollie Cooper went to Newport far more recently, wasn't it? And um, then last year he came back and he you know, established himself as 
a first team player, didn't he? So, you know, look, I think when you're a youngster, you really need game time. I mean, I look at Liam Cullen, and I think he really would have benefited from longer loan spells previously, but, you know, it didn't happen for whatever reason. And I think it sort of held up his development a bit. I mean, I think there's just no substitute there's ever playing what I would describe as man's football. I mean, you can play under-21s as much as you want, but, I mean, there's not as much on it. It can't be as physical. And mm. you just think it's such a, a, a good grounding for someone. I mean, Josh, is, I think he's from the area, isn't he? He's, so he's going to move away for the first time. So that's going to be a change for him. And it's just all about adapting then to, you know, the new surroundings and the fact that he's, he is playing man's football. And it's... It's going to be a bigger challenge, but this is what separates um, the boys and the men, isn't it? So, but you know, good luck to him. I really hope he does well because, look, we always want young players from this area in the team. I would say, and um, look, if it goes well, then you'd have thought next season he's in contention, isn't he? Yeah, you'd think so. Oh, there's certainly a developmental path there for him, isn't there? So, fingers crossed, he has a great season there and uh, comes back. Uh, ready to break into the team. Um, first, we'll mention the one that has happened, Steve. Mikola Kohorevich comes from Twa. You're impressed they managed to get that right first time. Well done. <laughs> uh, comes from, oh, we love an undisclosed fee, but we're going to get a couple of mil, maybe somewhere on that uh, figure. Um, he, he comes into the team um, last season, impressed at Hibs on loan. Um, I think it was five goals in 10 starts there. They seem to really love him, which is probably more of a tell than when you look at his goal to game ratio, I think how fans adapt to someone. I mean, you look at um, some players that uh, who was that? Who was that West Brom guy who we linked with a deadline day last oh, season? Carlin Grant. Carlin Grant. Yeah, he's going to Cardiff now, isn't he? But of course, he had a good goal to game ratio. But rest of West Brom fans absolutely despised him, and that really put a bit of a sickener in the back of my throat, where I was thinking he's obviously. This is a bit of a fallacy. Yeah. He's probably just not going to perform for the team. But I'd liken it to something like Boyer Baston, where I know at the start of that season, when, so the second season in the Championship, he was scoring a few goals, but I just thought he was anonymous most of the time. Yeah, I, I think, think you were on the same page. Yeah. As you, thinking, yeah, this guy, the record isn't bad, but other than scoring, he, he really doesn't offer a lot at all. No. And it's obvious that Steve Cooper felt the same because he booted him out, didn't he? And he tried to get other people in on loan and, yeah. and stuff like that. So he clearly wasn't fussed in him either. So I suppose the grand thing, as you say, it could be that, you know, the, the goal sort of masks the deficiencies. But um, like yeah. I say, at Hibs, but, he's highly rated, isn't he? Yeah. It's just the one issue I think we might have is his fitness seems to be a problem, doesn't it? Mm. So I suppose that that is an issue. But, but he is young and he, there is definitely scope there. If he can get the right training programme and, and stay fit, then there's not only... Clearly, from just I know YouTube is an absolute minefield for highlight reels, but what looks like a quite a bit of a player in there was a, was an absolute unit, by the way, as well. But also long term for the club, there's there's money to be made in young players, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I mean, you know, I, I'd always say that the, if you're going to spend money on players, I mean, preferably you want them to be under 25. And I think the age is 26, so it's not a massive difference there, but. I mean, we made big mistakes, didn't we, in the latter years of the Premier League where mm. we bought players in who were about 30, around that, and it was like a last big contract. And then when you get relegated, you can't shift these people. So mm. I think we made big mistakes there. So it's, it's vital, really, to it shows you shouldn't really go down that route. I mean, I think it's a case of a, the odd one-off isn't so bad. But I think now we're, we're not in the Premier League. You, you can't really afford to do that. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it, potentially there, there could be some resale value in there, which... Obviously, for a club like us, it has to be a good thing, doesn't it? So, um, you know, but we'll see. The, the good thing is now we seem to have more options in positions, don't we? I mean, 
I mean, you look at it, we were hugely reliant on Perot last year. I mean, I know we had Oberfermi for a bit, but then obviously that went sour. Cullen sort of stepped in, and to be fair to him, it did make a difference. So that was great. But you always look at that second half of the season and think, if Perot had got injured, my God, we were in trouble. Yeah, because yeah. there just wasn't anybody else. And I mean, there were times last year when Perot, in my view, and I think you probably share this one, he really wasn't great, and he did look a little bit half-assed. So now I know he still might go, but I think we're in a position now, really, where... Say no, he does stay, but he's not pulling his weight. He can justifiably now be dropped, and you could argue there's players there now that could take his place and, and do a job for us. So I think that's the main thing. And I think every team needs competition for places. I'd always say that. The worst thing that can happen is everyone knows they're going to play every week. I mean, I'd look at... Do you remember England under Sven-Goran Eriksson? Mm. They had the most nailed-on team ever. And you know if you're not in that 11, you must have been so dispirited. And you think, well, I'm never going to get picked, am I? You know, there's always got to be that thing of I've got to perform because the guy behind me is pushing me. So I think you know we might have that now in a few positions. We're still lacking, as I'm sure we'll come on to. But um, you know, up front now it does feel as if you know two strikers have come in. Perot is still here as things stand, and Cullen is here, obviously. So we have options, and that's really good because uh, you know last year it felt like in a lot of positions there were not options, and it was hugely frustrating, wasn't it? We're playing catch-up, and obviously due to several um, disastrous windows whereby we just did not sign the players we needed to sign in the positions we needed to sign them. Um, we got a couple of loans in last season to fill the the blanks at full-back, and we didn't use them. They just kept coming in, not getting game time and leaving, um, which was as frustrating as ever, ever um, to see that happen. But... Um, it's been a long time, and I said this the other day, um, since I've actually had that kind of sense of, wow, Swansea City do look or threaten to look like they're getting their shit together. We are playing catch-up in what looks like is going to be the most fiercely competitive championship that we've been part of in my lifetime, because everywhere you look in this division, people are making moves. Teams are making big signings. You could name four or five clubs that are making great signings across the board and you're thinking wow I would we I think we're doing great good business but everyone seems to be doing really proactive business this year so sometimes you need to move forward just to just to stay where you are don't yeah you? it's a, a case of if you just stand still you it yeah. means you go backwards doesn't it I mean you know we'll come on to talk about who we're playing on Saturday but they've made a lot of signings yeah they, for example which we'll discuss but um you know, and I'm looking up the road at a club who are meant to be embargoed, and they seem to be bringing players in. Yeah. And, you know, it just feels like, like you say, people are improving, and you wonder if you're not improving, who could really be left behind you? Because, it could be a struggle. Yeah, it, it could be, and I, I'm not sure if there's any that are. I mean, I'm looking well, look at Sheffield Wednesday, for example. They've had a disastrous uh, yeah, summer window. They've had a, a very strange window, haven't they, for example? They've lost their manager as well, yeah. which is another big Yeah, and I look at maybe someone like Rotherham, they lost Og Ben on a free. Yeah. They've stayed up, which, you know, the first time they've managed to do that for a little while. But, I mean, someone like that is, is going to find it really tough. Really they've tough. brought many in, for example. And, you know, so I think the, those the teams really that haven't tried to strengthen. Yeah. They're going to find it quite difficult, aren't they? So There may be two leagues this year, potentially, whereby you've got those that went all out and bought in five, six, seven players, which we, we're part of that group. But we think, wow, we're going to really kick on this year. Well, wow, so many teams have done exactly yeah. the same thing. Um, but, are there other teams that yeah, have just not could, done that? It could be a three-tier thing, to be honest with you, because I mean, those teams on parachutes, Oh yeah, they're yeah. on such a significant advantage, aren't they? So, And you, know, I mean, you look at someone like Leicester, and the three strikers are still there of Vardy, Daka, and Iannaccio. I mean, that's just goals galore, think, isn't it? 
I think uh, I saw, and I'm not going to be able to get the exact figures, somewhere around 70 million a year in wages. Not like Leicester playing. We're, we're paying just under or just around 9 million. Yeah. Um, and there's what you're fighting against, you know, seven times the wage. Yeah, budget. exactly. You know, Leicester have they've sold Madison and Barnes, and there a lot of players were out of contract, so they've gone off the wage bill. But I wouldn't have thought Leicester now like have to do that much more at this stage. Yeah. They're probably okay as long as they go straight back up. But I mean, you look at the players they've got; they've surely got a great chance, haven't they? So you know, um, but that's what we're up against. I mean, you know, I think if you come down, you're on about sixty million a year, are you? TV money, yeah, something like that. So, I mean, our income is about 17 million. But does it not? I think it depreciates, doesn't it? Oh, year it does on it. year, but I yeah, mean, yes, it does. But, year, but you get the, the big whack. The you? fact that Southampton, Leeds, and Leicester are on about 60, oh, yeah. Watford, and I don't know, there must be somebody else. I think Norwich, is it? They must be on. Don't think those two I think it drops to about 45, maybe mm. something like that. Mm. So, it's a reasonable drop, but I mean, it's still you're talking <laughs> over twice what we're on. So, look, those two in particular will be thinking and a lot last year was poor, we didn't make well, the top six. Yes. This time they have to. Yeah, and I was going to say there are clubs last season who expected to do a lot better than they did who yeah. will now look to rectify that. So, yeah, yeah. there is there is going to be six or seven teams in this league who are definitely targeting the top six and will be fighting to the nil to get there. Um, there'll be the others... Like us, like the likes there, of. There could be a lot that Sun- are targeted. If it, you like, look, you look at the likes of Sunderland and Coventry, who just missed out last yeah. year. Well, that's it, Middlesbrough as well. I mean, Middlesbrough since Carrick went in there. Yeah, they did really, really well, didn't they? So those teams are we going to be competing yeah. with, possibly to target fifth and sixth, that kind of area of the playoffs where you just go, well, you can, yeah. you can sneak in there with a bit of momentum and good form. But um, we'll come on to our season expectations. I was a little bit of a uh, detour there into that, but. Um, yeah, we were talking about the one that did happen, uh, Kuharevic. Uh, the one that ha- I just literally just checked Twitter again now because I'm expecting this to happen the moment we stop recording. Um, Harrison Ashby from Newcastle. This has dragged on quite a while as well. Um, will he? Won't he? Look like it was nailed on. Then Eddie Howe said it's not close to happening. Then an eagle-eyed Swans fan has pulled a still out of the training video. Or I think it's Abdullah in the in the foreground, but in the side of the shot is an arm which looks a lot. I mean, these are eagle-eyed Swans fans here who have gone and compared that to the squad photo of Harrison Ashby in Newcastle, and he's got exactly the same tattoo. So we have to assume he's there, he's training with the club, and they're just holding this off just to make yet another Jackass podcast completely out of date before it goes out on air. Yeah. But no, it, we're hoping that'll happen. I think it's safe to announce that or at least say that that's going to happen in the coming day or so, probably before you've even heard it. So um, we wait with bated breath for that one and hope it uh, all goes smoothly. Um, I think that's it at the moment for who's come and gone. Um, I might have missed the odd player here that I don't think I have. I mean, we talked about Key and Ginelli uh, in the last podcast. Um, so, and Yates. And Yates, of course. Um, one probably big news um, is the development or lack of development on the future of Joel Pirro, who we were expecting um, to be ushering out the door or kind of courting offers and stuff like that. Mind games may be, but at the moment we've issued a, he's going to just stay here. We're not getting anywhere near the sort of offers which we'd consider entertaining for the block. He's got a year left. We're building a team here. We already heard, um, well, 
about March, April time, Steve, about the new investors coming into the club and their target was purely we want to get this club. The only way they're going to make money or, or get this club generating money is if we go back to the top flight and they had one goal in mind and if they're going to be building a team to do that and they're not getting the sort of money that they can reinvest sensibly from Joe Piro, then the message is for now, he stays a swan. Yeah, it seems to be, doesn't it? Um, you know, whether that will stay that way, I don't know. I mean, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think I, I definitely wouldn't want to lose Perot on a free. But, I mean, it, you have to weigh up the balance, don't you, in terms of is it worth selling for a certain price if you think he can make the difference for you? It's, you know, there's, there's probably a tipping point, isn't it? It's, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I was convinced he would have gone. I, I, th- I thought he was going to go last year, to be honest. And mm. it hasn't happened. So, it's it's a tricky one. Um you know, I think realistically, if we get a good offer, he needs to go. What's a good it? offer? Because I'm thinking, the number I'm thinking in my head might be different to yours, but I'm thinking it's got to be um, 11 or 12 million before we start talking to clubs. Yeah, I would say maybe, I suppose if we got 10, I think that might, um, that maybe that would be it. I mean, mm. you'd want more, wouldn't you? I mean, it feels annoying that Gorkarez has gone for 20 or something. And if you think we haven't managed to get a bid anywhere near that for Peru, so. But yeah, look, it's got to be ten million, I think, realistically, um, you know, for us to accept. But um, I suppose you do always have the option in January. I mean, if we were safe in mid-table, doing nothing, in theory, you could sell him then, can you? I know you wouldn't get that type of money from then either. But it'd be a case of we're not going up, we're not going down. Do you just take five or six million? If that makes sense, that yeah. could, that could then happen. I mean, you look at Cardiff with Kiefer Moore. I think they could have sold him to Wolves on deadline day a few years back yeah. for seven, and in the end, that didn't happen, and they sold him for three and a half. Then they they obviously just thought right well we'll just take the money and mm. you know we're in mid we're in the middle we're not really going to do a lot so you know we'll, we'll just bank the money because that seems the sensible option so it's it's a tricky one isn't it but as things stand yeah I mean I'm assuming you'll still be early weekend and you'll you'll probably be in the team so yeah that that's where we're at really but it's yeah it is a little bit um, surprising but look I think it's a good thing that we're you know we're not doing what we were before are we where it's almost a case of uh, any offer that comes in, take it, and that's it. Well, I'm wondering if that is some part playing playing a part rather in what we've seen so far in this window. In that clubs aren't coming in and offering um, good money for him because the reputation of Swansea City at the moment is Jason Levian will take whatever he can get for any player. It doesn't matter. He doesn't understand value. He doesn't understand the market and the, of the British game and stuff and how much he's worth uh, in in Europe. And so looking at that. Is there potentially the hangover from windows gone by where we've got a bo- more of a bullish background now, it seems, with Paul Watson being there, done that, knows the market, knows what he's worth, and said, no, excuse the French, but fuck off. You know, we're not going to yeah. sell for that sort of price. Yeah, but and like you say, I mean, the, the issue comes where if you develop a reputation for being a soft touch on deadline day, it's probably a reputation that's not very easy to shift, especially if that person is still involved. So yeah, yeah. you can imagine where clubs have gone well, why do we really want to push this? Because, you know, we've seen what's happened in the past mm. and, you know, they've, they've folded on deadline day and accepted, a, you know, a lot less money. So, you know, they've, you know, a few clubs might maybe chance in their arm. And, you know, that then is like the price you pay for, you know, your, your bad business, if you like, um, previously. So I think sometimes it is worth just digging your heels in a bit and just showing, look, we're not like that anymore. This is how things are now. 
and you do have to pay a certain what, amount. What a statement that would be. I should say a Watson wouldn't be the one making that call, but of course he'd be in the voice there um, who knows football, knows the sport. And when you're looking at the likes of Morris and Coleman, who are coming in from the bit of the outside on the cold, have the money and are wanting the best for the Swans, then they will lend an ear from someone like uh, Paul, Mar- uh, Paul Watson then to say, well, actually, no, this isn't, this isn't a reasonable offer even though he won't have the final say but he will certainly be someone they'll be whose expertise they'll be relying on because we've seen so many times there's been a struggle to find someone at the club in the last few years who aren't actually making the decisions who understands the football market and that's been a big problem hasn't it yeah it has I mean like let's be honest Hugh Jenkins got sacked didn't he because he understood that the Dan James deal was yeah. one of the worst in history you know he paid a heavy price for that even though realistically they should have been on the phone to him saying you know, six months later, thank you for turning that down because we have now made significantly more money. But, uh-huh. yeah, you know, I think, yeah, look, Levy and it goes without saying, the man is clueless. He doesn't know what he's doing, but he thinks that he does, which makes it even worse. The man just needs to butt out of everything and, and let people that know what they're talking about uh, deal with it. So, yeah, that's that's the simple thing with it really, isn't it? And, you know, hopefully now we've got people making the decisions that, um, you know, have got a far better idea of... Um, you know what people are worth and what's the best way to to go about business because it, it, it's always felt as if as well we seem to like doing business on deadline day and in my view you well, should never want that no absolutely not that's a sign of a club who hasn't got their shit in order for, for right yeah exactly i mean i know daniel levy's probably the, the biggest example I mean, he seems to love it but i mean quite often i think that that approach hasn't really worked so much in recent years if you know what i mean no. trying to con people and stuff like that and just get that that marginally better deal i mean I'll always say the, the best thing to do is just to try and get people in as early as possible, preferably by the uh, the beginning of pre-season. I always hark back to it. Martinez, the year we won League One, nearly everybody was through the door by the start of pre-season. The only issue, of course, was the curveball of Lee Trundle yeah. got sold to Bristol City, which we weren't expecting. So then, obviously, there were, we had to change. And I think Warren Feeney came in on loan in the end, and he, that was the, the replacement. But, um, yeah, look, the earlier you get people in, the better they can gel. Um, you know, it gives everyone a chance to settle in and it's just generally better isn't it I mean rather than getting to the wire if people know you've got money or they know you're desperate then prices go up and the people that you want quite often have already moved that's why it's a good thing with um, Ginnelly and Key for example where we brought in two players out of the contract isn't it you know what I mean two players who would have been wanted elsewhere rather than waiting for the dregs at the end of the window and you know then you're, you're up against it aren't you yeah definitely and hopefully uh, uh quiet, boring deadline day for the Swans won't actually be nightmare, which it normally is. It's normally a nightmare because we need to do so much business that we don't do. It ends up being chaotic and desperate and depressing, really. But this year, with fingers crossed, that we're slowly building it um, with a month left of that window to really try and, um, well, get the squad full enough to compete for 46 games plus the cup games, really. And that's something we've got to as I said earlier, play catch-up on from the disastrous windows that went by. Um, just to touch on now, we're just um, talking about uh, players who are coming into the club. Um, Perot may or may not still be, depending on how bullish uh, the Swansea owners te- uh, decide to be. Um, Matt Grimes, another big name who's looked potentially like he might follow Russell Martin out the door to Southampton. Um, then perhaps not, and they were looking to other names and stuff like that, and they've spent quite a bit of money already, Southampton, on trying to build a team for um, a Premier push again, Premier League push. 
could be back on the cards. We don't know. But his interview he gave to BBC yesterday was a little bit, I felt a little bit like a come and get me plea, which is wasn't really, um, you know, what I, I guess Swans fans want to hear. But he did, obviously he spoke very highly of Russell Martin and spoke how massive Southampton are, etc., etc. Maybe, am I being paranoid? Did that feel a little bit, not so much kind of I want to stay here? Yeah, uh, I was thinking the same to be honest. Like you say, I mean, he's talked up Martin. We knew they had a, a close relationship, obviously. Um, and obviously describing Southampton as a, a massive club and all this type of thing. Yeah, it, look, it didn't sound great today. I suppose the only way we can sort of look at it as well is he may have said plenty else in that interview. And it's oh, not, not been published. So there's always these things. And it, you know, it, it could have been slightly, you know, played up to be a bit over the top. He may well have praised the... Michael Duffin said he's looking forward to working with him and stuff like that, but they've you know they've not gone with those comments. So, you know, that that will always be the other issue, isn't it? It's unless you were there, it's hard to be a hundred percent certain on these things. But Very true. Yeah, look, um it's it's hard to tell, but it, it didn't sound massively encouraging, did it? And you know, I mean you look at Southampton at the moment, obviously they've, they've they haven't really sold many, have they? They seem to be putting huge price tags on players, which I think is a little bit over the top. So you know, but you know, you can see Lavia going to Liverpool, can't you? I mean, that looks likely. Ward Prowse maybe going somewhere. I mean, if those two go, they're going to need reinforcements. Judging by the, the previous manager's relationship with Grimes, it wouldn't be a big shock if he came in for him, would it? And then, you know, you're in a predicament then where you know, he, he, if he wants to go, you know, it's difficult to keep him. And also, he's got two years left on the contract, which is a good thing. So. You know, well, that would have to be a premium. I mean, we talk about parole where they'd be bullish enough yeah. with a year left, but you, you get your captain taken what might well be at this point late, late on in the window yeah. um, with your former manager. You've already had a bit of a thing with, with their, his new club about his conversation. Oh, oh, I'd definitely be thinking in that situation. It's right, going to be, gonna, gonna, be eight figures for me. We'd have to fleece this lot and be thinking, right, well, you know, they've already pissed us off once this summer. Yeah. But. It's just what you can yeah. get for a for a midfielder that doesn't actually yeah. his stats don't. If you were yeah. looking right on deadline day as a as a as a chairman thinking we're light in this area, let's have a look at what's out there. And you 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 know if you were lazy and you'd look at um, what's he provide, what's his assists, what's his goals and stuff like that. Is he you know going to pop up in the box and stuff? Is he going to do X, Y, and Z? Grimes doesn't really do those sorts of things. He's a bit similar in that regard to Leon Britton, where he doesn't actually look stats wise. Unless you look down into passing stats and possession and stuff like that, if you're looking at that level, but you can't really pick up Grimes as a as a late addition. You kind of build a team around him, don't you? Similar with Leon, he, he was not gonna he's not gonna slot into that team and kind of he need you need to get the players you need around the right team. Absolutely, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. So it's it's interesting to see where with that. If he goes anywhere, he goes to Southampton because he's got the man there who knows exactly how to make him tick. So. We'll see what happens with that one. One thing he did say in the interview, um, and one thing that was encouraging, was the uh, final preseason game uh, at Reading, Steve. Um, a nice win, and also some nice passages of play, seeing what a Michael Duff team will look like, hopefully, as the season progresses. Complete chalk and cheese from the preseason games just uh, leading up to it, and actually some very promising stuff. Yeah, it did look a lot better. I mean, I was at the Bristol Rovers game and it, it was quite an inspiring, to be honest with you. But, I mean, you try not to get too high or too low in pre-season, I think, do you? Because, obviously... Um, Some do. <laughs> ob- 
Well, yeah, I, I know so Twitter has been a cesspit. Well, well, look, it's, a, it's the same every year. People, you know, lose their minds. Look, I'm not, it's a little bit different if you go to somewhere like Newport and lose five 0 then it might be a bit like, look, we've we've taken a pace in here off a team two leagues lower. What's going on? Yeah. Whereas, you know, I think if you're playing teams in similar divisions to you and. You know, the result isn't really what matters. It's just trying about the manager trying to find out about his players and and fitness and people not getting injured and stuff like that. Really, but look, you're always looking for things, aren't you? Because it's just human nature. But yeah, there were some nice goals in there. So yeah, I think positive. And look, the main thing is now it's it's all about Saturday, isn't it? That's the the truth. It's the first game. We hope now the manager knows who he wants to pick, um, and the, this like the formation that he wants to play and how he's going to set us out. So. You know, hopefully the the preseason games have been good for that, and yeah, he knows what he wants, which you know he probably does because he's quite a straight talking guy, isn't he? He appears to be, yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's just a case now of, of seeing what he decides to go with on the weekend, isn't it? Well, it was quite encouraging, apart from the the football on display and obviously the this the score line, but it was quite encouraging to see that we'd been led up a merry path over the fitness of Joe Allen and Josh Janelli as well, um, because they both came on and uh, played a part and uh, nice to see that where we were thinking oh when are they going to feature they haven't really had a pre-season um, so where are they going to fit in now are they going to we're going to be looking at October time before they get bedded into nice to see them get in some minutes on the pitch now I suspect whether they're on the pitch on Saturday or on the bench as backup they are very much in that picture yeah exactly I mean because you know I was thinking in the Bristol Rovers game in particular I know a couple of players haven't come in at that point either but that bench looked very weak, which was concerning. So, you know, the fact that a couple of players have come in, obviously we're expecting another one, but obviously two players back from injury, it doesn't half look better. It's five players that we didn't have, isn't it, for the Bristol Rovers game. So, yeah, I mean, I think I look at Alan and Janelli and just think, well, they'll be on the bench the weekend. I mean, they might get a few minutes, but can they play at least a half against Northampton in the League Cup, for example? I mean, that would be a realistic target. I mean, mm. 45 to 60 minutes and see how it goes and then... You know, obviously, then we'll try and build them up, and then it's up for the manager to decide if he thinks that they're um, they're worthy of a start, really, isn't it? But look, it would just be good to have these more players available, and um, yeah, I think it certainly looks better than it than it did, didn't it? Because the impression we had, I think, was that we were looking at towards the end of this month, whereas now, obviously, they've they've played a game in at the end of July, haven't they? So yeah, yeah, it's look, it's it's got to be good news, isn't it? It has got to be good news, and 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 the, one of the things that we talked about is is depth. We talked about that many podcasts and how we um, can just about put together a starting eleven, and beyond that, um, we're struggling. So it's nice to see now we're actually filling up positions where we go. Well, yeah, we do need another player there. We do. You know, we talk about Harrison Ashby potentially joining later today or tomorrow, um, and 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 Josh Key already signed for that side. Maybe he goes over to the other side, which he has done a couple of times in pre-season, um, and fills the void at uh, at left wing back. Um, but again, we've had Abdullah play there in pre-season and impressed in that position as well. So it is interesting to see how this team is going to fit together. But it's so important that we don't just have that threadbare starting eleven because, as you said. Last season, we were one parole injury away from tumbling down the league, and three and twenty-three might have gone even worse. You know, in terms of where we could have gone with that with that uh, form. But um, when we are talking about how we're doing business, Steve, how impressed have you been? The way we've quietly chugged along. Um, not a lot of names have got out there. Um, these two loan signings aside, but a lot of names come 
really last minute to the fore when they're already happening and Michael Duff is very key, clever not to mention them. He says, We've got boys in for medicals, I'm not going to give you names, I'm going to give you whatever. We'll see what happens after the medicals and stuff. So everything's been kept under wraps. It's not really something that we're used to. There's always tidbits and news leaking out here that seem to have really closed that down this summer. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it realistically, it's a good thing. Look, I think it's always nice to know things, isn't it? But, you know, there's something. But if good. we know them, everyone knows yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> I think sometimes it's good just for it to be. You know, just revealed at the last minute, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I always remember in the early days of Hugh Jenkins being chairman. Oh, he was the worst. For, <laughs> uh, he was the worst for bloody blabbing. I mean, I think Jason Brown wasn't it? The goalkeeper said he was coming in, and then that alerted Blackburn. They come in, and he's gone there. Then, so mm. you know, look, I think it's a case of look, we as much as it's good to know these things, there really is no need. Just tell us when it's done, and that it's simple. Yeah. Basically, get things done though. Yeah, that's that's fine. It's very, I, I much prefer this way, even though I'm left in the dark and you do get people then who lose their shit over social media saying, well, shit, we're not doing anything. Well, and we got evidence already this summer that things are moving quite swiftly in the background. We just have to be patient. Uh, patient, not a word typically associated with Swansea City fans. Um, looking ahead to the season opener on Saturday where we welcome Birmingham City to the, I'm still going to call it the Liberty, um, Steve, we got uh, new players coming in. Um, I think maybe all start. You think maybe not Kuharevich, but everyone else, you'd just slot straight in that starting 11. Probably, yeah. I mean, I think from my point of view, Rushworth de- will definitely play. I'm sure that won't surprise anybody. I'm assuming we're going to play like a 3 5 2. So that means, what does it mean? Cabango, Darling, and um, Wood, I would have thought, as a mm. back three. You could have, if Ashby is signed, then him and Key as the wing-backs. Um, then I would assume it would be Grimes and Fulton with maybe and Cham, and then Perot and Yates up front. So yeah. that's what I'd expect. I mean, you could see maybe Patterson playing instead of and Cham, for example, but yeah. like I'm not seeing many other decisions there that are going to be particularly difficult for the manager. I mean, look, this, you know, Abdullah has played a bit, hasn't he, in pre-season, yeah. but whether he's going to start or not, I, you know, I wouldn't be convinced. Um, but yeah, I think obviously, as you said, Janelli and Allen, they're not going to be fit no, at the start, no, are they? No. And, but yeah, and I, I would have thought, like you say, Perot and Yates would have be up front and Kukarevich will be on the bench. So yeah, that that's how I see it. I'd be surprised if the team isn't at least very similar to that. He thinks so. I think this one, um, but it would be nice to see the likes of Janelli, Allen, Kukarevich. Um, yeah, have some minutes. Bench as well. It's, it's, it's how you can uh, influence a game, isn't it? Later on as well. God knows how long it's going to go on for. Maybe 110 minutes or whatever. With well, the new regulations that, coming just, in, you look at the bench now and you think like Kukarevich is like a physical striker. That's something we don't have. And generally, someone that can play on a wide that has pace. Again, it's something we really don't have. So it's yeah. variation then, isn't it? Yeah. It's like if things are not working, it's like we you don't really want like for like, do you? you want someone who can ask different questions of the opposition and there's two players there for example that can do that so and we're not, it looks not, like you can change it you've not mentioned in this passage Liam Cullen Ollie Cooper other players there who can come on and get goals and get assists and change games I mean that's important to have isn't it so even these players who we would last season would have been integral both of them were integral into that starting 11 last season um it's a testament to, if we're not talking about them starting on Saturday, how we've potentially moved on uh, or moved forward and strengthened in those areas and in other areas as well. 
Yeah, definitely. It's um, you know things that are generally feeling quite positive. I think probably more positive with yeah, I'm what, scared what we've done for, <laughs> what done for a long time, isn't it? Really. So you know that that's got to be a good thing because yeah. you know it, it doesn't have to get annoying coming on you and moaning about the same things all the time and just thinking it really doesn't have to be like this. But it does now feel as if there's been a bit of a change, and you know all for the better because. You know, last year they should be kicking themselves at a missed opportunity. What a chance! Yeah, they blew it, and this year it looks significantly tougher, doesn't it? Yeah. Whereas if they had just, you know, backed the manager with a couple of signings, we may have gone into the playoffs, been the form team, and you know, like I said, it feels like we blew it, really, doesn't it? So imagine we had this wind. I know it's completely. But imagine we had this window twelve months ago. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a different ball game then, isn't it? So you know, I think that's what you know irritates. But look, it, it's gone now. There's nothing you can do about it. But you know, if it's meant we've learned a lesson, then good because we needed to learn it desperately. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Luton Town got promoted to the Premier League. That's that's what sort of level of missed opportunity it was really. Um, the Birmingham themselves, Steve, widely thought of having possibly the strongest window in the Championship. They've been making a lot of good business this summer as well, and really adds to the point we made earlier on that you have to improve just to just to tread water in this league at the moment because everyone seems to be improving um or at least we got those divide haven't we between the parachute clubs the clubs in the middle that have improved vastly of which i'd include us in that and the ones that have struggled in both those senses and uh well potentially looking at a long road ahead birmingham i put them in a similar bracket to us now um with a lot of smart business in the summer yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they needed a strength, didn't they? I mean, let's be honest, they didn't impress me at all last year. And I massively feel like we might have a score to settle. because Just a bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even... I'm going to mention the away one first, because well, we're winning it. That was, for a start. Yeah, last And then we, well. we did what we did best, and we get switched off from a corner and gifted a thing. But, like, I, I still remember me and you that walking out of that ground for that, that bloody home game. Where they, oh, I, I still can't put into words how they've beaten us for that. Because I thought they were shock inside, we're on bad form, and somehow they've scored four against us, and it was just an absolute disgrace, wasn't it? I turned round to you, and I remember saying to you, I think it was 3 2 at the time, and I said to you, There is no way we are seeing this game out. I know. Latty had just gone off, we were down to 10, and they yeah, just turned yeah, May I emphasise with this, it was because we'd gone down to 10, not because he had gone off and been replaced. Oh, no. Because like, obviously he's not a massive loss, but it's the number <laughs> thing. But it was the fact that. But you just that, knew that was going to. I didn't but, think we'd What wound me up that day, right, was that Perot, who I've said for a, a lot of last season wasn't great, in that spell of you know, a couple of months or whatever, he was poor. But that yeah. day, he was by far his he, best he game. Subbed him off after two. He bloody subbed him off. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? I couldn't get that with Martin, but then, yeah, we give away two shockers at the end. And I think I actually remember you, you talking to, like, I think there was a, a man with his son. He looked about eight, and I think you said to him, son, don't worry, it's not, um, you know, you couldn't go off and do something else on the Saturday. You've still got like, a chance. Yeah, I said, you've got a chance to do something else. Like, us, we're, we're buggered now. We've been doing it for 30 years. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're sort of stuck in it. Yeah. You're not going to stop now. But, yeah, that was, <laughs> I, was in, I think we were in genuine disbelief over that one. I mean, it's... Because it just I, felt so undeserved, didn't it? It was just was, ridiculous. I think the backstory of that as well with the with the the, the, yeah, the first game after the window shut. Yeah, the, the outpouring from Martin. Yeah. He was there with his press conference with all his yeah. backroom staff. Then you had yeah. that Zoom meeting with the trust and the owners. Yeah, it was such a clusterfuck. The club was in such yeah. a mess at the time. You just thought it was a case of us v them. Yeah. The crowd was so behind the the players clearly. 
played their give their all that day for the shirt and then to lose in that man I I haven't felt that sick since any well pick a playoff final the only one I the only playoff final no, that, that was genuinely it's quite interesting this because I'm I'm doing a piece of the fanzine this season of the top 20 like most gut wrenching defeats yeah, um, okay, yeah. it's, it's since the, the Liberty US or home of the Wii game since then but I'm um, that that is. I'm not going to give you any order, but I can tell you that that Birmingham game is in there. Uh, I felt sick. I did feel sick. I just, I just well, I know. Let's not dwell because we're going to no, have a positive no, game. No, let's let's remind. If the players are listening to this, because they must have all felt this living there. That's like right. Let's give it to this lot because they bloody deserve, um, you know, to lose to us because they were, they were oh, crap. You only picked up one point from them last season, but yeah, um, I genuinely um, expecting. Uh, great game because you've got in total potentially around about 12 debutants on the pitch um, for that game and you know everyone's going to be thinking the camera's on them how will their debut go how will they fare will they be in the managers will they remain in the managers plans can they impress the fans the cameras everything so are they going to make their mark early doors new players always have that extra that extra um, spring in their steps Steve don't they there's going to be plenty on the pitch there's points, to, there's points to prove, isn't there? You know, people want to, you know, get in the team and keep their place. And I think, obviously, I think Birmingham have sold their allocation out as well. So, look, there's always great anticipation in there, I think, for an opening day. I think regardless of, you know, where you are, what you're expecting, it's, it's always the hope, isn't it, of this could, you could have, like, a really good season. And, you know, after three months as well, obviously, you haven't, there'd be faces that you haven't seen. And, you know, you haven't, a lot of people wouldn't have watched the game. I mean, if you went to the Wales games, then they wouldn't have cheered you up either. So um, I think it's just that anticipation, really, of what could happen and, and everything like that. And, you know, being with your, your friends and family again that, at the game. And, and look, from our point of view as well, it's quite rare to be at home on the opening day, isn't it? I think since the Liberty opened, I think we were home the first two seasons there. Try and remember but that, other, yeah. yeah. But other than that, then, I think we played Man United, which was David Moyes' first game in charge. Yeah. And then Cooper's first game against Hull. I think other than that, in like 18 or 19 years or ever, this has only been the fifth time we've been at home on the opening day. It's quite mm. remarkable. We're always away, it seems. So it does make a bit of a change to, to you know, be at home. And, um, yeah, hopefully we'll, um, we'll, it'll be a, a good game and we'll do well. And after a turbulent summer, let's call it a turbulent summer because it's certainly been that, um, it does start to feel over the last two or three weeks that even maybe the most pessimistic of Swans fans are slowly perhaps coming round to the idea of looking forward to the start of the season now this should be a bit of a buzz about the place yeah I mean as I say there, there always is isn't there for an opening day I mean there's you know, things to look forward to it does feel like the summers are getting shorter every year mate. I've got to be honest it's it's a little bit weird in that sense but um, yeah look I mean everyone is looking forward to it and I, I would say to you know if you're listening to this and you're umming and ahhing about going down I mean opening day is, is always usually one to remember isn't it you get a bigger crowd than normal everyone's up for it so you know, if you're not doing anything on Saturday, then get yourself down there because, you know, what else are you going to do on a Saturday? As I'd always say. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The, the not watch rugby. That's one point they're going to make. Do not go down that route of a, a friendly the nonsense. And it doesn't start till half five. You can still watch it if you really want to do that. I didn't even set him off there. He just we just did that himself. But I was going to say you can only get the uh, August games 
where you picture it in basking in the summer sun, Steve, where the forecast is rain, which is pretty much what we've expected this summer. It's been shit. And uh, we're just hoping that that forecast changes between now and Saturday because how nice would it be to watch Swansea romp home on the opening day in the glorious yeah, but sunshine? It, it should feel like an unwritten rule that the, you know it's a baking hot day on, on the opening day. And yeah, August and May, those are the ones yeah. we've got to get guaranteed, isn't it? I know, exactly. And you know, from my point of view, I've got a new fanzine coming and I'm annoyed. Because I'm already thinking, well, the weather's <laughs> crap. going to get soaked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they've put the price up to 150 which probably you know, oh, is no. one of them where, you know, you've got... It's a cost of living been... crisis, mind. <laughs> well, this is how I'm justifying it, right? It's the first rise in uh, 13 God. years. Yeah. Uh, and I actually Googled this. Uh, inflation since 2010 is 64%. And I'm putting it up 50% after 13 years. Yeah, yeah. So I don't feel too bad about it when I put it into context like that. No. So, yeah, that's my answer. You've got the printing cost and all that sort of stuff. To exactly. Look, well, it is, it is not got any cheaper, I should imagine. Yeah, and look, I, you can't put it to 110 or 120 because I'll have change coming out of my backside. So, look, I was have to go to 150, unfortunately. But, look, it is what it is. Let's hope for a, a good day. And, um, yeah, if... Uh, if anyone does want to come and say hello, I'll be by Rossi. So uh, there'll be yeah. sellers around the ground, really, uh, run by Frankie and Benny's as well. Yeah, well, I suppose it's costly now, isn't it? Oh, it's not Frankie and Benny's Don't anymore. Forget, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. once upon a time, yeah, okay, like the like the Swan Con will always be called the Liberty. I think that area will always obviously always be called Frankie and Benny's. Yeah, I think once these <laughs> things um, are. Um, you know, um, they're set in stone, yeah. aren't they? You don't. I, I, I'm stubborn like that. Um, yeah. So after Birmingham, oh no! How do you think Birmingham's going to go? I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a cracking game. Both teams are going to be bang up for it. As I said, plenty of players making their first start to the new club, but I feel like we'll have that edge being at home and uh, hopefully just have enough to um, see over the line. Plus, the I think what's key here with the change in regulations that this game could go on. By the way. Bear this in mind for if you're making public transport your way to the stadium and back. They are now counting and stopping the clock um, behind the scenes, fourth official, um, for um, a lot more things that are happening on the pitch, your substitution, goal celebrations, goal kicks and whatnot. So um, this game might actually have eight, nine, ten minutes added on at the end, just in case you're expecting to be able to get to a certain time. Uh, train or bus, um, just bear that in mind. Um, but um, strength in depth, you're going to need it if games are going on to 100 minutes, Steve. You're going to need to have um, fresh legs available on the bench. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we saw a lot of this at the World Cup, really, didn't we? I think yeah. that was where it first started, where you're getting a lot of added minutes. But I've got to be honest, I am for it because, especially some of the horrible teams, I mean, they just waste time constantly. And you just think, it might just stop people from wasting time because they just think, well, there's no point doing it now. But I think what, what is interesting about it now is if you think about it, these games going on longer. I mean, let's say now we've got an away day in London. We've got, oh, the, right. you know, for example, we've got yeah, Millwall coming up. Train or and we, no, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking more from a point of view is you don't want to gamble on your train so much anymore or anything like that because you could miss it. Yeah, so, well, you either missed that or you missed the last half hour of the game. Now yeah. it's going to go on for ages. Yeah, so you have to, I think now we just have to bear these little things in mind, really, but look, it is. I think it's a good thing, isn't it? Deep down, that you know, because time wasting is a big bugbear, and we always feel like, don't we? Where seeing a goalkeeper's time wasting, we get punished. Yeah, it's like they get booked right at the end, and you just like, well, she is ref. I mean, that's great. That's and just does go- absolutely nothing now. Our keeper gets uh, booked after twenty five minutes. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> God, it will never change, will it? Um, are you feeling positive about Birmingham? I think reasonably, but um, look, it's it's hard to tell, isn't it? I mean. 
you know, we'll we'll wait and see when we get. There's a lot of changes going on for both clubs, and you know, we'll um, we'll see. I, I just don't want to come out of there as as pissed off as we both were last season. So, you know, let's let's hope the players that are still here that played in that game look at it and go, right, this lot, we all them one. Let's let's give it to them. Potentially, so, you know, if Josh Key, who's really impressed in pre-season with his directness and his ability to take on a man, is playing left back. Like we could see Josh Key versus Ethan Led. Yeah, that's interesting. That's I mean, going to be a battle. Yeah, I mean, you look at Led. I mean, do you remember last year QPR away? Like he he played, didn't he? And then he got subbed off because he got injured. But he was killing us. Yeah, because he was so quick, and obviously we we didn't really have anybody like that. So yeah, look, he's that will be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Um, you know, I, if if I'm honest, I probably would have taken him back. Um, Wasn't it cost much, did he? No, exactly. That's what I mean. And you know, we talk about players with resale value and stuff like that. You'd have to say he's one that does have it. So um, I think was it about seven hundred fifty grand? Yeah, it I mean, wasn't a lot. Yeah, I I would have paid that for him to be honest with you. But um, look, he's gone there, and um, you know, good luck to him apart from Saturday. Yeah, terrible luck to him. Um, moving on from Birmingham, uh, we have got a cup game in the midweek. Then Northampton at home um another home game for us to uh, look forward to uh this one i'm going to ask you steve how do you treat this do you uh how important is it to progress or are you looking for giving the likes of alan and janelli minutes and treating it a little bit more like a pre-season warm-up for some of the players who may not get the game time in the league games early doors i think it's a little bit of both really isn't it i think you want to give a few players a, a chance i mean you know um like i said alan and janelli two good examples can they play 45 minutes to an hour maybe um, Mikulovic might get a start if he's yes. not playing. Um, well, like we talked about Cullen and, and Ollie Cooper there yeah. earlier. I mean, them and Brandon Cooper, Kyle Norton, of course. I mean, I think that's how you have to probably look at it, isn't it? Get those guys into the team, maybe one or two youngsters. But then there could be a few players that, you know, we need them maybe to still play. I mean, a Grimes or a Fulton might need to start, for example. And, you know, it could be a case of one will play an hour and then the other will come on and replace them for, you know, the last half an hour, maybe something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we've we got a few to... players, and we like Abdullah as well. We mentioned earlier yeah, from pre-season. So. He's someone who might well now not just drop back into uh, the academy setup. He might be knocking on that door, so th- this is a good chance for him to, you know, re-establish himself in around the sort of players that would be expecting to play in the in the league games. This is a chance for him to again, and and as you say, other players of that ilk as well, a chance for them to uh, keep keep themselves integrated. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just I think that's what's good about you know if you do have a little bit of a progression um, in the cup competitions, really, it just gives you those those options really to give the the squad players a chance, isn't it? And you know, um, yeah, it just allows you to freshen things up. And you know, the the fact is, if if Sinu we were to start quite well with a, a good win the weekend, I mean, the chances are a lot of those players will will keep their place for the West Brom game the week after. So yeah, so then it's important then that you have those extra couple of cup games where. It just gives you know people an opportunity to be in the manager's thoughts, doesn't it? So, you know, and so if we were to lose to Northampton, I mean, that could be losing the opportunity for some of those players. So, yeah, I think it, look, it would be nice to to go through, wouldn't it? And um, you know, I mean, look, cup runs are they're never a bad thing, are they? And they can often they can generate a few quid in through the door as well. So, yeah, I mean, let's um, you know, I would like to see us progress, but I would also like to see us give players an opportunity as well. I think that's the difference, isn't it? If you if you're looking at a 46 game slog of a season with a small squad with injuries and suspensions and whatnot, then you see this as an unwelcome distraction. But in August, when you've got a squad and you, you're building up that squad and you've got players who are desperate to improve, impress, and try and force their way into the manager's plans, 
this is great. Yeah, exactly. That's um, you know exactly how we have to look at it. So, yeah, I, you won't see me complaining about it. And um, yeah, let's let's just see what happens. Um, Hopefully, a good crowd as well. Like you say, if we have a good start, I, I think Saturday. the tickets are quite cheap as well for that. So, you know, it's always an opportunity. And plus, you know, the you know the kids are not in school today, so that can often hinder night games. But you know, you might have a chance there for some to to take the kids down. It could for some kids, it could be a first game, couldn't it? You know, where you know that type of thing. Um, so. I'm yeah. taking my boy down on on for that one as well. So right. is that his first game? It's for his first game. Well, there we go. I yeah. didn't even know that. So they, yeah, I, yeah it was going to be. Um, was it last year? Was it Southampton? What happened with that? Oh, no, it was the year before in the cup. Was year it? before. Doors, oh, was that's it? right. That's right. They yeah. didn't. They wouldn't let us play it in front of a crowd, yeah. wasn't it? That's right. Um, but yes, that's right. I remember that was going to be that one, but that was a bit too young then, anyway. So yeah, I'm sure they won't be. I won't be alone in the. Uh, taking uh, youngsters along for that one but hopefully there'll be a good crowd and um, as you say plenty of uh, people looking to impress um, the guys in the dugout really. Um, let's move away from the initial weekend and midweek game and talk about the season as a whole uh, to end the pod Steve. Um, what are your realistic hopes and expectations for the for the team? I think it's similar to last year realistically to be honest just because I feel that the league has got so much stronger you're asking a lot uh, really for us to get into the top six and I mean we've discussed Perot I mean if he goes it's going to be a big loss isn't it for example Grimes similar so yeah I think if we I think we finished 10th last year I mean if we finished 10th again would represent a good season um, I think from my point of view really so um, yeah look um, you know, you always want to think you might have a chance to play off certainly to keep the season alive as long as possible but I'm thinking more mid-table I think realistically for us um, I think it'd be a decent season to be honest I mean are you thinking similar or not? Yeah, well, more upon the point you just made there about keeping the season alive. Somehow, despite the run we went on in the middle of the season, the week before the the final game, we were still in with a shout and we went to Hull. Yeah, so I mean that is exactly. And, and in March, we would say from the drop. So um, <laughs> you know, we didn't. It didn't really. What go a like terrible that. league that was! <laughs> exactly, it's bloody awful. But what an opportunity! But I think from um, this season's point of view, where we finish, I think it's more about keeping that flame, that spark alive. Until until as late as possible, so that we've still got that fight and that hunger and something to really get our get behind when it gets to the the slog of the season when you come into to March and April and and you're really trying to um see see yourself over the line. Um, who knows? This is like total. I mean, we've got a month left of the window. We 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 might not have grounds. We might not have parole. We might have four or five new faces in. If we do sell parole in the next week, the money might get reinvested into the squad. Hopefully, a lot of it will, and you'd have new faces again there, which perhaps otherwise we wouldn't have gone for because we wouldn't have the budget for. It changes it, and there's a lot of a lot of incidentals that can happen, Steve, which will change this whole outlook on where we think it's going to happen. Who knows? Exactly, this is the issue. I mean, I did the four four two always do a pre season preview, don't they? And um, I was the person that answered the questions on the Swans. Yeah. But the questions came in to me initially in mid-June. We didn't even have a manager at that point. And I had to message him and say, look, I'll answer the bulk of the questions now, but look, you're going to have to give me a delay here because I'm, I'm sailing blind on managers. Yeah. So obviously when Duff was appointed, I responded to when him, do they, uh When do they publish it? They've just published it, I think. I mean, that's harsh, isn't I know, it? But it's, You've got egg on your face if you're saying well, I, we're going down and then we go and poof. Well, that's the thing. Well, I said, who's your key player? And I said Grimes because I was thinking well, Perot won't be here, but he is here. So it's a tricky one. I mean, if someone remember. pulls that out in March, April, yeah. May, when when Perot's on twenty four, and you're going, yeah. you haven't mentioned him. Mate. <laughs> exactly. And I remember it going the other way. The year that we actually went down from the prem, 
when I answered them, we just signed Tammy Abraham. We still had Lorente and Sigurdsson, and I'm thinking, well, we could go with like the diamond formation here, Sigurdsson providing for those. Getting two, thinking, well, <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but I was thinking, look, we're, and we'd ended the previous season really well. You're thinking, well, we're in a good position here. Now we have goals in the team. You know, we, we I thought, I think I predicted about 12th or 13th or something. Mm. And obviously then, Sigurdsson has gone, Lorente has gone on the deadline. All of a sudden, you're in a different world and, you know, it's different. So these predictions are really hard. I think the fair prediction really is when the window shuts, isn't it? I think yeah. that's when you can give one a prediction that I'm far more optimistic will be accurate, if you know what I mean. But well, the, the window should shut on Friday night, really. And yeah, but unless you can get the re- everybody else to fall into line, in which, Europe, they, yeah. which they tried previously and it didn't work. Mm. There's not really a lot you can do about it, is there? So, um, But it, look, it is annoying. I think if you could get the window to shut on the 31st of July, I think that would be brilliant for everybody, to be honest with you. But it's never going to happen, is it? No, it's not. But uh, who knows? We'll see what happens. I mean, it's very weird. It's such a surreal scenario watching the first three or four games of the season, not knowing who in that team is still going to be there for the rest of it. Yeah, and obviously the other issue you get sometimes is if the situation means that those players don't actually play, doesn't it? I mean, Sigurdsson yeah. did, well, did go later, don't want to get injured. He, he wasn't in the team, was he? And I mean, we've seen it with one or two others where, I think, do you remember David De Gea was going to go to Real Madrid? And then he didn't start the season for Man United. I think the last game before the window shut was down here. And we won two one if you remember. I think um, AU and Gomez scored, and then he, it fell through. And obviously he was that back was, in the team. Tahir was in goals that game. I'm sure. No, nah, was. he wasn't. It was um, Sergio Romero. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. So he, like I said, Tahir didn't play in August, for example. Oh, so I'm thinking of yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of. And him. I think it might have been the same with Harry Kane. I'm not sure if a couple of years ago he played in August. And I mean, you might get a similar situation now where Kane doesn't play in August in, in this month because obviously there's speculation over whether he's going to go. So. I just think it is a pain in the backside, really. But as I say, it's not going to change, is it? It's, no. It is what it is. You've got to get on with it. But look, it's not ideal for anybody, I don't think. No, it's not. But everyone has to deal with it. And uh, we're no different. Let's hope, as I said earlier in the podcast, that we are more bullish this year. And we set our stall out because ultimately we can only be bullish if we have the financial clout to, to put our money where our mouth is, essentially. Um, it's all well and good saying you're going to do X, Y and Z. Can we follow through with it? Are we going to hold out for the best offer of Perot? And if we can't get an offer which we deem sensible, and same with Grimes, and same with any of our stars. I mean, we look at Nathan Woods. He's technically at the moment only got a year left. I know we can trigger an extension on that. What's happening there? We don't know because I would have just triggered it, to be honest with you. Well, I'm assuming they have. I mean, it hasn't been announced or anything, but I mean, it's... It's literally the biggest no-brainer ever. Yeah. They've been stupid if they haven't done it. And and well, and then you look at potentially the fact that we are being linked with several centre backs. We do need another one anyway because we are uh, light in that area for playing like three. If, if you're going to play three, you need another one, don't you? Yeah. So um, who knows? There's plenty of the if, what, and maybes. We can only do so much in a pre-season pod because of the fact that the, anything could change and. As I've been checking Twitter throughout recording this, waiting to see if I'm already out of date before I've even finished speaking. So that's the nature of the beast, I'm afraid. But we will be back. Uh, well, we're going to be back after Northampton. Hopefully get one in before West Brom. Um, if we're lucky, potentially might have to be after West Brom. But we'll see how we can fit one in um, in that week. And uh, let's just hope, Steve, that we're going to have a cracking Saturday, a cracking Tuesday, and uh, all be buzzing. Next time we speak here, yeah, we're thinking, well, we got a bit of a team going, yeah? 
Well, exactly. I want to be in the railway at five o'clock on Saturday thinking, well, we're in business, you know, we're looking good and, you know, let's uh, let's go from there, really. So, yeah, let's, you know, it's, it's something to look forward to. And as I've said, if you're not going and you're listening to this and you're debating it, you know, there is only one decision. Get yourself down there because, you know, football's football. It's not always there. Um, you know, we've been without it for the last three months. So, yeah, just, just get yourself down there, get behind the team and, um, yeah, let's hope for a good day. Absolutely. And whilst we have discussed realistic expectations, before a ball is kicked every season, every fan, no matter who you support, thinks this could be our year. And why not? We'll speak to you next week. From myself and Steve, bye-bye. (laughs) 